1: live at the Nasdaq market site on this freezing Friday afternoon and look who decided to stick around for the good old OA, the crypto baller himself, Brian Kelly. He even put on his fancy jacket. Here's what's coming up in the show.
2: That's what some traders are saying about Bitcoin, which is surging again. And options traders see even bigger gains for some crypto related stocks. We'll tell you how to profit. Plus, talk about a bank job. Financials have surged into earnings. But if you're tempted to buy, you may want to wait until after they report. We'll explain. And a big event next week could send one of these stocks surging. We'll tell you which one and what it means for the biotech space. It's time to risk less and make more. The action begins right now.
1: Let's get right to it because the big banks officially kick off earnings season next week, and the options market is implying some pretty big moves. Wells Fargo and PNC could see a nearly 3% jolt in either direction. Traders are anticipating a 2.5% move for JP Morgan and a 2% move in either direction for BlackRock. Now, financial is one of the best performing sectors over the last year, up 21%. So, how should you play these names into earnings? Let's get right to it and right to the chart master, Carter Worth, who's already at the plaza, ready to go, Carter.
3: So it's true. As a sector, financials are uh, pacing the market up a bit more. But what's interesting, it's so dependent on names like American Express, big insurance companies like Travelers. If you look at the banks, the banks themselves have trailed the market, and regional banks have really trailed. Let's look at a few charts. I don't like banks here. Uh, and we're going to end up with JP Morgan. So here we have the BKX index is dominated by the big names, Citi, JP Morgan, Wells Fargo, and so forth. And and by all accounts, you'd call this a nice uptrend. It is. But the question is, is it delivering results, meaning it's opportunity cost? Is it outperforming the market? And so what I would uh, have you look at then is a little bit longer term. And now here's that trend line. And here's the, again, new highs over the past two years. Keep that on your uh, retina, so to speak, and let's go on to some relative charts. Now, we have a two-panel chart, that same BKAC index over the past two years, and this is the important part. Again, since the election, up relative performance. That's what matters. I mean, you could have uh, avoided this and bought Apple instead or bought Bitcoin, meaning choice matters, underperforming. And I'm not sure I see anything that's going to change that. Let's keep going. So, Here's JP Morgan. Now, the key here is, yes, it's making new highs, but look what's happening relative. So if I add the line right here, this is going to tell you exactly what I think the issue is. Yes, it's gone up of late, but it's not participating with the general market. And overall, it's made no real relative results in about two years. as a pick, really didn't do anything other than one could have done just by being in the SPY. And and that's the the issue. Um, I think what we have here is a stock that has checked back to trend, checked back to trend. And I think you have the risk that you check back to trend again on something perhaps unhappy in the earnings results. I don't want to be overweight banks here, and I don't think JP Morgan is any different than the group at large.
1: Is there a differentiation, Carter, between the big banks and, say, the regional banks or the mid to smaller size banks? Well, they're worse,
3: right? So if you look at the KRE, uh, that's only up about 7% over the past 12 months, massive underperformance. And they, in a way, are the most rate-sensitive part of the sort of financial complex. And so that tells you something there. Uh, Small banks, and some of them are are outright very poor. What we do know is yet online uh, brokerage has been very strong Again, insurance. So it's really about the stock picking, not about the aggregate of financials being a good group to be in. All
1: right. So, Mike, what do you think of the banks right now? And uh, specifically, Carter had mentioned J.P. Morgan. Thoughts on J.P. Morgan?
4: Well, let's start with J.P. Morgan. I mean, J.P. Morgan is best of breed amongst the money center banks, and and obviously it's performed very well. And, And when you take a look at the fundamentals of the company, they remain relatively strong. But where you run into trouble, I mean, he was talking about the relative performance mattering. Another thing that matters is valuation. And where we are right now is at above average valuations for many of these banks, including JP Morgan, whether you're looking at it on a price-to-earnings basis or price-to-book basis, we're somewhere between 7 and 15% above the historical valuations for the name. And what's interesting also going into earnings, some of these... Names are implying fairly big moves, maybe even above-average moves. Now, that isn't actually true for J.P. Morgan. I think we're looking at about a two and a half percent move there. So while the bank itself is relatively expensive, the options on it are not. So you're yeah, so like- I think the. Yeah, I think the way to play this is I was looking out to March. You could buy the 105, 100 put spread for about a dollar and fifteen cents. When I was looking at this earlier today, you'd spend 220 for that 105 strike put. Sell the other one against it. That's net debit of 115, less than a quarter of the distance between the strikes. We like that kind of math, and we're trying to target that check back that Carter was talking about.
1: You know what's interesting BK? I mean, I don't know what you think of the trade and you can give us that opinion, but this really goes against what a lot of the fundamental strategists are saying on Wall Street. They all love the banks. They all love right. the best and breed. Yeah. It's regulation, it's And it's the same thing that they did a year
3: ago, right? They right. loved them a year ago. Has so that's
1: that's the question you have to ask yourself. Right. Right.
5: Is what has changed? in the market that are going to make the banks go higher. Now, you might say that the debt with some of the banks that higher interest rates will help. They'll help that net interest margin. But on the other side, when you're talking about the big banks, like a JP Morgan, they also have that capital market side. And when there's no volatility like we've had, that's a problem for their trading desks. They don't they don't do as much business. So that's why, in my opinion, we've probably seen like relative flat performance here in the banks because you have a push and pull between different sides of their business. So you're with them, these guys. Yeah, these listen, two. I wouldn't I wouldn't be long them into earnings. Mm-hmm. I, I like the idea of putting a put spread on here, maybe even just to protect a long position that you had. That being said. On a sell-off, I'd probably be a little more excited about it. Last word, Carter.
3: Right. I mean, it's those three big things: it's taxes, it's rates, and it's the operating business itself and the environment that these banks are in. It's not an all-clear sign. That How about just,
1: deregulation, though?
3: Well, that too. I mean, and yet you'd <laughs> That's wonder. That's going to be the big driver, but see, right? But I mean, that, Less all those things—the hope was those things were going to happen. Are they going to happen? There's, they're not performing. I mean, they're not producing the results that you should expect for the risk you embrace by owning them.
4: Mike. You know, I like JP Morgan. I just don't happen to like it terrifically at this particular price. And that put spread costs you about one percent of the current stock price. Decent protection against a downside move if you own it and a decent way to make a bearish bet on it if you don't.
1: All right. Let's move on here. Bitcoin futures posting their best week ever as a crypto trade sizzles. The CBOE and CME futures both up 13 percent this week. Breaking all down as a man who is too hot to handle himself. Dom Chu. Hey, Dom.
6: <laughs> well well forget about hot Melissa. How about roller coaster ride, up and down, or, or hot and cold, whatever you want to call it. What we have seen in the midst of all of this price action for underlying Bitcoin is a rise in trading interest in the two futures contracts tied to the cryptocurrency. The slightly more seasoned SIBO Bitcoin futures are now trading around 4,000 contracts a day. According to the CBOE, the open interest in front month Bitcoin futures stands at around 2,830 contracts. Reminder, those SIBO futures are one Bitcoin of exposure per one contract. Move now to the CME futures, which are five bitcoins of exposure per one future. The average daily volume there, 823 contracts. Open interest in the front month, 642 contracts. That's according to data from the CME group. Now, the CME and SIBO both up around 2% on the week as stocks themselves. We've also seen a rise in some of the stocks of other so-called Bitcoins, right, Bitcoin companies. Check out, you know, for, for instance, online retailer Overstock.com, which is pivoting more towards the blockchain technology side of things. It's up 32% in the last five days. Payments Processor Square has been dabbling with Bitcoin transactions. Melissa, those shares up 17% in that time span, bouncing back from a recent pullback. But Still, just take a look at those stocks as an interesting move in that whole ecosystem. Back over to you.
1: All right, thank you, Dom. Have a good weekend. Dom Chu in the newsroom. So, Beeks, what do you make of the recent activity and the fact that uh, Bitcoin futures are trading? Much closer yeah, to Bitcoin Core. That
5: to me is what's what's yeah. interesting here, right? When we first had those Bitcoin futures come out, you could almost pick up eight percent between the time they came out and selling a longer dated, let's call it March future, you'd get eight percent. That has come down significantly. Part of the reason why is it was it, not a lot of brokers were trading futures, therefore institutions couldn't necessarily trade them in size. Now that you're getting expanding open interest, you're getting expanding volume, you're going to start to see that that pick up. You're going to start to. See the spread between Bitcoin and the futures compress a bit. And that's all a good thing for the ecosystem. That means that it's operating in a healthy way and it's operating in a way that it should, like every other future market.
1: Um, in terms of what it's doing, it doesn't seem to be doing anything to volatility. I mean, the, the, the thinking was that perhaps it would dampen some of the volatility in the underlying Asset.
5: Yeah, we haven't really seen that. I don't think we've seen that so much yet. I think over time, I think that's going to be one of those things. One, two years down the line, we'll say, "Oh, you know what? Uh, volatility slowly started to die down as more institutions ramp up, and now you can have that selling pressure from short sellers in futures if they're long the underlying, selling the futures. That should compress volatility, but that's something that's going to take a bit of time." Uh,
1: Mike, you know, Damod mentioned. Uh, Bitcoin stocks like Overstock and, and Square, which is offering Bitcoin sales through its cash app. What do we see in terms of options activity? I would imagine that would be pretty um, active.
4: Well, it, there's no question that both of those and also the CBOE and CME have seen significant increases in options activity since they made the announcement that they were going to be participating either as Overstock has in accepting it or as CME and CBO have enlisting futures on this, which I think are a very good idea for the two exchanges, certainly. One thing I would say, though, is that a lot of very good news about it seems to be priced into these things already. CBOE, which is innovative amongst the exchanges, I like what they're doing, but it's not a cheap stock. 40 times earnings. I think CME is trading about 30 times earnings. So I, I like to see them moving in this direction. I think it's going to be helpful for them in the long run. But the stocks aren't cheap here.
1: What do you make of the action? We were saying that these are all tethered to Bitcoin, and they are. And, of course, the futures are as well, Carter. So in terms of Bitcoin itself, it made sure, quite I, a bounce off of the lows I mean, I think that's Fridays the important
3: ago. thing in how a 44% decline seems like a great thing in and of itself. And yet we've seen two 90% declines three others that were 70%, several that were 35 and 40 and yet each time this is the end. Why does that have to be the end? And you have never thought it was the end.
5: No, not, <laughs> right. Right. there's, there's right. a website that chronicles every time Bitcoin has died over the last nine years, right. and it's a pretty long list, no, so no, long. I don't think this is the end. But, but the, what you highlight with the volatility, I think investors need to know. This is an extremely volatile asset class. One to five percent of your risk assets you could put into this asset class. I would not take out a mortgage to buy this, take a mortgage on your house. That's a bad idea.
1: Is there a warning, though, Carter, in terms of the technicals of it, that the decline that we saw a couple of Fridays ago really isn't the, de- the big decline that we should be expecting this go around in the rally in Bitcoin.
3: Right, meaning... Because the, well, the other
1: declines have been much deeper with well, very strong s- bounces. There back. were
3: some that were deeper, but uh-huh. there's several, uh, 8, 10, 12, 15, that okay. are all 30 to 40%. It just seems to me it's, it's another one of those.
1: Well, if you want to learn more about Bitcoin futures, you can check out our sister show, Futures Now. That's every Tuesday and Thursday live on futuresnow.cnvc.com. And of course, for everything Options Action, check out our website. While you're there, you can sign up for our super cool newsletter. More than 100,000 of you already have. So what are you waiting for? Here's what's coming up next.
2: That's what biotech has done of late. And there's something to suggest the gains will continue next week. We'll tell you what that is. Plus... Calling all Options Action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air. When Options Action returns.
1: Welcome back to Options Action. The so-called Olympics of healthcare taking place in San Francisco next week with J.P. Morgan's annual health care conference kicking off on Monday. The group has rallied three percent for a strong start to the year. Meg Terrell's got three names to watch before the torch
0: is lit. Meg. That's right, Mel. It's the biggest healthcare investing event of the year. More than 450 companies present to 9,000 attendees. And those are just the ones who can fit inside the building. There's much more happening around the conference, which sets the stage for the rest of the year for the industry. So what to watch? deals. The weekend before the conference or Monday morning are prime time for M&A announcements. In previous years, we've seen deals announced like Shire acquiring NPS Pharma in 2015 and acquiring Baxalta in 2016 and Takeda buying Ariad last year, all at multi-billion dollar valuations. Many, of course, are questioning whether there's been enough time to digest the tax overhaul for big companies to pull the trigger on M&A. And the week will also bring major company updates. Many report Q4 results early and give longer term guidance. Three stocks to watch there are Celgene which kicks off the conference Monday morning. That stock of course had a tough fourth quarter after the company revised its 2020 forecasts lower. Celgene is something of a bellwether for all of biotech and many said that scare drove the more generalist investors out of the space. Another one to watch next week is going to be Shire. That company the buyer in two of the biggest deals announced at J.P. Morgan in previous years and the stock has been under pressure down 14 percent in the last year. And finally Regeneron. It typically provides a look at its fourth quarter results at this conference And we'll have CEO Len Schleifer on Fast Money, one of the most outspoken executives in this space, one you won't want to miss. Mal, back over to you. All right,
1: thanks so much, Meg Terrell. Well, biotech stocks were among the top performers last year, so should you keep betting on biotech in the new year? Carter's over at the Plasma to break it down. Carter.
3: I like them. I mean, I I think you should keep betting on them in the new year. Let's look at a few charts and see if that uh, makes sense when we do. Since inception, IBB, what we know is when you have dynamic groundbreaking, life-changing product, you can have dynamic, groundbreaking, life-changing results. IBB has doubled the performance of the general equity market since launch. A lot of different companies, but the point is, as a theme, as a bet, as an aggregate, it's a place you want to be long-term. Okay, the issue is the underperformance of the past three years. Having peaked some three years ago, what I have is that same long-term trajectory, and on the bottom is relative performance to the S&P. And what we know is that this has come down to this line and bounced and bounced and bounced and bounced and bounced, and and we're right down there again. And it's my thinking that having underperformed, we're about to get outperformance, not only relative uh, but absolute performance. Okay, let's draw some lines. Here is the last five years. You could draw the lines this way and it clearly came out of the wedge to the upside. Let's move on. You could draw the lines this way, which to my eye would suggest more of that. You could draw the lines this way. People like to look for head and shoulders, but the implication is that. Either way, I think the way is higher for this former winner that's underperformed. Let's go to the here and now. This is the past 12 months. Here's our trend line. And I want to make the bet again that we are going to bounce off the line, bounce off the line, bounce off the line, bounce off the line and make a new high. I like
1: IBB. All right. Sounds, looks convincing. Mike, what do you think? How are you trading biotech?
4: You know, I like this space. There's a lot of names that are constituents of the IBB ETF that, unlike a lot of other stocks that we look at all the time, are actually fundamentally looking pretty cheap, and that can create essentially a floor in prices, and that's kind of what I'm betting on here. There are also not a lot of good opportunities in this volatility environment to collect premium, but I think this is one of them. And I'm just looking out to February, so these are options that expire a little over a month from now. The 109 puts, I could sell those and collect $2.25. So I'm collecting better than 1% a month in premium collected. The downside would be if IBB does drop, I'm gonna buy it at that 109 stock price, But, of course, I'm going to have collected that $2.25 in premium, so I'm going to own it a little bit lower. So this, I think, is a way to collect some premium, potentially put IBB at a favorable level. And, you know, it is a way to collect some premium when there aren't a lot of opportunities to do that right now.
1: What do you think, BK?
5: Well, you know, listen, I'm, I'm a guest here tonight. And I hate to go against Carter and Co., but for me, but you it's are not. going it, against not, Carter. No, I'm going to do yeah. it. It's, it, right. so it's the Listen, it's the so here, here's <laughs> the issue that I have. I would love to see a lot more volume on this rally up, right? We've seen, We haven't seen a ton of volume. In fact, the average volume has been a little bit lower. So on something like this, the way I tend to trade is I wait for a breakout on higher volume than trying to get it here. To me, it actually looks like, at least in IBB, we might be looking at a double top. If you go over to XBI, which is the NASDAQ uh, um, ETF, that one also looks like potential double top here. So I'm not as as thrilled as Carter & Co. Sorry. Well, it's all right. But that's why market. we
3: have you here. You know, someone's got <laughs> <laughs> to take dance. the other side. <laughs> right. I, 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 I think the important thing is this, that, remember, you're betting on an aggregate. So it's 150-plus it's stocks. Five stocks are about 40% of the weight, right? You're talking about BIIB and GNAM, Amgen, right. Gilead, and so forth. So you are betting on the big ones. But the issue is this. If and as equities are going higher still, does this group play catch up? I would say yes. Yeah, that's the bet.
1: Mike, final word. You want to respond to BK here?
4: You know, if I look at a name like Celgene, that's the one thing that does trouble me, and I probably would agree with them. And that's one of the reasons why I'm not trading Celgene outright, and I'm instead looking at a broader basket of stocks that are doing a lot of innovative things. And look, there are not that many opportunities to reach out and find inexpensive names in this market right now, but IBB might be one of the ways to do it.
1: All right. Still ahead, energy stocks coming back from the dead, surging nearly 10% in just the past three months. And Mike's got one name he says could rally even higher. He'll give us the details. Plus, got a question for one of our traders? Of course you do. Send us a tweet to add Options Action. If it's nice, we'll read it later on in the show. Much more Options Action right after this. Welcome back to Options Action. Time to take a look back at some of our open trades. Now, last month, Mike made a bet that Halliburton was a <coughs> higher.
4: I think the oil services sector and Halliburton in particular is probably the best way to make a play. And it's interesting because although you cited the fact that these stocks have done well recently, Recently. overall for the year, this is one of the sectors that actually is not trading at its all-time highs. The trade here I'm looking at is the January 42.40 put spread. I'm going to be a seller of that. You can collect 50 cents.
1: Since the time of the trade, Halliburton shares are up almost 20 percent. Mike, what do you do now?
4: You know, so this is one of those cases where we put on a high probability trade when we sold that credit put spread. And sometimes you'd actually have preferred to have taken the low probability bet. I still like Halliburton here. Implied volatilities are low. You can close that put spread and buy some longer dated call options.
3: Carter? Agreed. Schlumberger Halliburton. Uh, the beta within the energy complex acts well. Energy acts well. And the stocks still are behind the commodity.
5: What do you think? Yeah, well, so with the run in Halliburton, I think it's a great place to buy some upside calls here. Take your profit on your puts, buy some upside calls so you still have exposure to the upside of Halliburton.
1: All right. Up next, your tweets and the final call from the options pit. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Options Action. Time to take your tweets. First question is from Django, who asks, I'm new to this. I own 100 shares of Bank of America. Can the desk just any way to benefit through selling an options contract on this? Mike, why don't you take that?
4: Absolutely. Sell the Feb 32 calls. That's selling a covered call. And that's the best way, I think, for most people to begin trading options.
1: All right, next question from our friend Alex. Hey, Alex, he says, question for Dan. GM held the 44 level pretty well, ready for a bullish breakout from the cup and handle pattern. Is it better to buy it outright or through options? Well, nasty weather's got Dan stuck in Jamaica. Yeah, exactly. poor Dan. Uh, but Carter will take the question.
3: Sure, close at 44.01. I mean, I think you can t- be aggressive and buy the options, but either way, it does look like it's going to get higher.
1: Final call now from the options pits. Mike.
4: Covered calls are always the best way to get started as an options trader.
1: Carter.
5: I want to get out of
3: banks and into biotech.
1: BK. Well, thanks for having me and let me put a jacket on. Love buying options in a low-vol environment here. And thanks for joining us. Have a great weekend. Mad Money starts right now.